All right, B&B fans, episode 13, Business at Buckets, coming at you, and I can't not wait, baby. Got the Nova sweater on. You know, I don't have high expectations like I have in the past uh, with some of the championship Nova teams, but it's March. After a year layoff, I can't believe that it's finally here. You know, lots of uncertainty this season with COVID, uh, some of the tournament teams pulling out in their conference tournaments. But I got my brackets filled out. I'm entering my pools. I got my parlays down, baby. I think this year is so awesome because, you know, in sports in general, it makes you more grateful that sports are actually happening. Uh, But the fact that we get a tournament with the quality of players that we have coming into the league, you know, NBA scouted players, plus it's really just uncertain with no offseason, you know, recruiting being up and down with covid I don't think that there's a for sure bet to win a tur- this tournament. Sure, the one seed's typically going to be a popular pick. Uh, Gonzaga, the Zags, going to probably be the most common pick, but I don't got them. We'll get to that in a minute. Like I said, episode 13, I get to spend my evening after Utah Jazz victory on TNT to speak with you guys about March Madness, NFL, UFC, you name it. But before we dive in... Let's talk about my boys that fuel supplements, baby. I don't know about you, but being sore after workouts is something I don't look forward to. I am sore as we speak, uh, especially when I'm getting back into a routine. To be honest, I feel like I've been getting back into a routine since COVID. Gym's opening, gym's closing, gym's opening. I ended up buying an Echelon sports bike that we have right here in my lab, my podcast room. Uh, But that's why I'm thankful for my family and my guys at Fueled Supplements for supplying me with all the essential products to combat muscle soreness, increasing recovery time so I can get back in the gym faster, feeling great. I got leg day tomorrow, so I need it. I absolutely love their essential amino acid BCA and hydration formula called Comeback. It's a plant-based fermented essential amino acid and BCAs paired with a complete hydration complex, including coconut water and peak Himalayan sea salt for minerals and electrolyte balance. I tell you guys, I'm a believer in this. Uh, their new flavors are out and out of this world delicious. They have multiple different options. And my favorite flavor is the blueberry slushy. Don't just take my word for it, guys. Try it for yourself. Go into fueledsupplements.com and use my promotion code BUCKETS. For 20% off, that's 20% off, fieldsupplements.com. They have everything you need. I talked previously. If you're buying supplements, give them a shout out. Give them a shot. It's a you know small business, people helping people, which is more important now than ever. So before we go in, got to get a little insert from my guy, Stanley Daniels, five-star and or five-year NFL player, uh, entrepreneur, husky great. I mean, this guy has been through so much, uh, grew up in San Diego, ended up coming to the Huskies, ended up playing for four or five different NFL teams in his five years, his most notable stint with the Broncos. Um, The way I got to know him was him going through a management training program to run his own business. Uh, Now he's working in real estate. I mean, the guy's a uh, a Swiss army knife. Uh, he could really do anything. Uh, he's an awesome personality, uh, bigger than life, really, when you think about it. And I've learned much from him as a mentor of mine, uh, going through, you know, management training and business in general. Super excited to have him on. I'm going to be having him coming on or live the the recording of the previous uh, live podcast on the 24th, 
March 24th, that Wednesday, we'll be dropping episode 14 and 15, Business and Buckets, episode 3 coming at you. We got lots of more fun interviews, but this one you can't miss. He talks NFL, he talks adversity, he talks life experiences, and that's what it's all about. So make sure to tune in on the 24th for Mr. Stanley Daniels. Now, let's start with the NFL because it's the NFL, and I always start my show with it. But it's a fun time of year, NFL free agency. We got March Madness. You got NBA in the thick of things. You got free agency going. Spring training's fully loaded. I got my AMA Supercross. Got damn near every single Saturday UFC fights. Dana White just announced a three-title card that's stacked. Uh, that's going to be in front of live fans in Jacksonville, Florida. If I was completely on the other end of the U.S. in Seattle, I would definitely think about booking a flight to go see it. But hey, we got fans back. Seattle's announcing fans for baseball. I talked about that. Fans coming everywhere. Sports are really back. And reality starting to set in. When it comes to free agency, there's a few things that I want to talk about. The first one being Drew Brees. I think during the playoffs, uh, we had talked about quarterback legends and we have to enjoy them while they were here. Having Tom Brady, assumptively not retiring, but being towards the end of his career, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, uh, and obviously Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. And it took Drew Brees officially a while to officially announce retirement. But damn, I think we all expected it. It was it was kind of just you know a storybook ending for him. Uh, besides winning one more Super Bowl, uh, but all the injuries that was announced that he played with. I mean, he did his best and gave it his all, uh, which I think he's done his whole career. I have listed out stats and and, and where he ranks and damn near everything. The probably the most impressive is his completion percentage throughout his career. You know, Pat Mahomes is on a pretty nasty trajectory as of now. Uh, but the the accuracy, the poise, the leadership, the motivational speaker, uh, just the great life example that he is with his and his family. And what an awesome way to announce retirement. He had his kids on the couch uh, saying after X amount of seasons, our dad's going to spend more time with us. Uh, he's officially retiring. So you know, tip of the cap to Mr. Drew Brees, bow to you, round of applause. You know, us as football fans and sports fans kind of asked for a better role model and I'm sure is helping lots of kids live their dreams. So bravo, Mr. Drew Brees. When it comes to free agency, free, day one of free agency was yesterday. Today being uh, the second, which as I record this, it's Tuesday the 16th. Holy shit, the moves that are happening we're going to dissect some of the moves, what my initial thoughts of those moves are. We'll talk about who's still available. But the biggest thing I want to portray right now is don't get your hopes up if you're a team spending a buttload of cash. You know, a lot of free agencies, fool's gold. You're paying for player performance, usually in their younger years. And a lot of those statistics aren't going to translate. I think one of the best examples for this could be Bud Dupree as a Steelers fan. Uh, he got a massive contract coming off ACL injury. Plus, he played with TJ Watt on the opposite side in a very good defense his whole career. So you're paying for that production. Uh, but new face, new team, not the structure, not the other guy on the, uh, not a dominant guy on the other side. Is he going to put up the numbers he did in Pittsburgh? Uh, usually, history and stats say no, they won't. But hey, you know, teams are making moves of note. I think the most, the the, the biggest storyline is Bill Belichick and the New, new England Patriots. Uh, they, they got two more tight ends after trading down or trading up for tight ends last year in the NFL draft. 
Uh, they got Johnu Smith on a pretty nice contract and stole Hunter Henry away from the L.A. Chargers, which if you're Justin Herbert, that's got to be brutal. And mostly offensive talent, Kendrick Bourne. Um, they got another receiver that's blanking on the top of my head. Um, you know, lots of different weapons, all on the offensive side. They re-signed some guys on the defense, let go of some on the offense. But basically, Bill says, okay, cool. The way it's worked, I cannot draft offensive weapons. Uh, I'm just going to sign them over, and I want to continue to build through my defense. And I'm sure if you watch in the NFL draft, they'll, they'll continually draft defensive players. Uh, but they're building a team. They have all this cap space. They're going to live and die by Cam Newton, even though I think they're still going to make a run at Deshaun Watson. You know, mark it down today. Deshaun Watson's not going to pay for uh, Houston. He's end up, he's going to end up either in Carolina, who's making massive moves and salary cap moves. That, you know, it's kind of telling a story that they're 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 expecting to make a move on him. Uh, but also the Patriots. I've told you guys since day one. He's just sneaky. All the COVID opt outs last year. That there's a game plan that he has in store. Um, and I want to be surprised if they made the playoffs as their division. You know, Buffalo's good. Miami's getting better. But it's not a stacked division, let's be honest. Now, let's talk a little bit about the action. So, we've had some good moves that have happened. Uh, we have uh, some, some free agents still available. Let's, let's recently talk uh, some of the top guys. So, obviously, Dak returning to the Cowboys. I had talked about damned if you do, damned if you don't. They have uh, five of the top highest paid players in their position going to be hard to win a Super Bowl, but they have a dumpster fire of a division. They have to win the division first. Them not winning the NFC West has just been a shit show. Uh, so you got to be able to win that division, put yourself in position to contend because they have a short window. Um, but yeah, massive contract. Bravo, Dak Prescott, he's earned it. Uh, the Giants had just re-signed Leonard Williams. Chris Godwin stays with the Bucks, which was franchise tag move, smart move by them. Uh, Brandon Sheriff staying with the Washington football team, top linemen like that. You can't get rid of them. Uh, Trent Williams, still a free agent at 32 years old. One of the top free agents available. I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to uh, stay with San Francisco. We talked about the run game and Shanahan's offense. You have to have Trent Williams in there. Uh, Shaq Barrett staying with Tampa Bay. Four years, 72 million, lots of money, but the combination of him and JPP, you guys uh, won a Super Bowl, run it back. Uh, it's going to be familiar grounds, especially with COVID. Do you really want to sign somebody else with uncertainty at training camp and how soon they could come in? Absolutely not. Uh, Allen Robinson franchise tagged by the, the uh, Bears. Probably a good move until you have a legitimate quarterback. You know, they ended up signing Andy Dalton. So it looks like it's going to be the Foles versus Dalton uh, battle for a starting job, which is worst case scenario for Chicago. As I tried telling everyone, Russell Wilson's not going. Don't always believe the media. Uh, they tend to make stories because that's their job is to make stories. Uh, Justin Simmons, franchised by the Broncos. Um, that's expected. 27 years old. He's in his prime. Uh, Taylor Morton, 26 years old. Franchise tagged by the Panthers. Stud lineman. That's expected. Uh, Kenny Galladay still available. Lots of receivers still available. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that there's just so much receiver talent. Plus, in the draft, there's a lot of receivers available. Um, it's just hard to want to pay premium money for a receiver. Um, but Kenny Galladay is the real deal. Excited to see where he goes. Uh, Chiefs, Pat Mahomes has to be pumped. Joe Thune, 28 years old, in his prime. Five-year, $80 million contract for the Chiefs. That's a massive win for the Chiefs. Um, I think anybody would have liked to have Joe Thune once he was... Uh, not franchised by the, the Patriots. The Hunter Henry swap, we talked about that. 
Marcus Williams franchise tagged by the Saints. Levante David, two-year deal with the Bucks. Love him in the middle. Uh, I think just he, you know, what he does is perfect for, for what the Bucks need. So I'm not surprised, and I think that's a great move. Uh, we talked Jonu Smith. Uh, Corey Lindsley got snagged by the Chargers. Chargers really revamping their offensive line to keep Herbert up. Um, five-year, $62 million contract at 29 years old is quite a bit of money. Uh, but, hey, the Chargers, they're doing dumb moves. They're not keeping Hunter. They're signing overpaying for players. Uh, we'll get into um, – I, I, they, they signed Matt Filer, who's like the 70th-ranked free agent, who was terrible for the Steelers for a buttload of money. Uh, but, hey, they want offensive line depth. That's their number one priority. They're overpaying for it, though. The Browns making huge moves in their secondary, which is their weakest point. John Johnson, a three-year, $33 million contract. You know, the Browns continually overpay for players, but that's a huge position of need. So, uh, good move by the Browns. Carl Lawson, three-year, $45 million contract to the Jets. I would like to think Carl Lawson will revive his career, but it's the Jets. So, I don't know. Probably like a C grade there. Uh, we still have Curtis Samuel, stud athlete, 24 years old. He could really help anybody, any time. Running the ball, receiving. He could do a little bit of everything. Uh, William Jackson... I think I just got an update while we're talking about this. Yep. William Jackson, three-year deal, $42 million, $26 million guaranteed with the Washington football team. So they were wanting to make changes. Got a, a stud corner. I know the Steelers wanted to draft him a long time ago. Uh, they ended up getting Mike Hilton, which is a total loss for the Steelers. Um, I'm sure that's brutal to have him go to a division rival. Uh, but, you know, they were able to replace him with a, a, a very gritty corner. Uh, Okawara continue uh, re-signed by the the Lions three years thirty nine million makes sense for them fits Matt Patricia's team uh, not Matt Patricia's team because he's no longer there uh, the new coach's team I forget his name uh, Aaron Jones stays with the Packers I expected this to happen pretty affordable contract um, I'll see what you know it'll be interesting to see what they do with Jamal Williams but they have AJ Dillon behind them uh, but they only have a, a short window to compete and win for win Super Bowls so. I think that was a great move. Uh, Bud Dupree, like I said, five-year, $82.5 million to the Titans. Definitely an overpay, in my opinion. Uh, but hey, Bud's earned it. He's put up st uh, stats every single year. He's been dominant. Um, sucks to see him go, but Steelers fans, we knew he wasn't staying. Anthony Harris and Melvin Gordon still available. Uh, two veteran uh, guys on the defensive end. Really will make a difference between uh, for any team. Melvin Gordon coming off an injury season, though. Um, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Injuries are always tough. Bengals overpaying again, four years, $60 million for Trey Hendrickson, who's in his prime, one of the sack leaders in the league last year. Um, you got to compete. You got to start with defense in the AFC North if you want to be able to win, uh, but definitely overpaid for him. Corey Davis signed to the Jets, three year, 37 and a half. I think that's a great contract, great amount. I think that's going to be a good signing for them. It all depends on what they do at quarterback. You know, still rumors of Sam Darnold. I would assume that he stays at this point. Uh, but good offensive talent for them. Juju Smith still available. You know, as a Steeler fan, the longer he's available, the long, the more likely he is to return on a team-friendly uh, discount. And I know Big Ben returning wants him to stay, but a lot of flack after the social media, the dancing on the logos, yada, yada, yada. You know, for me, I said that's a little bit of overreaction. The kids, I mean, if, if they tell Juju to show up at 4, he's probably showing up at 3.30, right? Uh, he's running his routes. He's a team player. He's a great locker room presence. And he has the most simil 
similar stylistic play to Heinz Ward that I've seen. He, he's willing to do the blocks. He's willing to do the gritty work. And sure, his numbers don't look as great as it did his rookie year with AB there, but we were airing it out the ball. We were giving him deep looks, and we don't do that anymore. We make him uh, battle in the trenches. Uh, he's a third down guy. He does everything we needed, so I, I really does do hope he stays. But uh, with all the free agents leaving, I highly doubt that's an option. And with the Jets getting – I thought that he was for sure going to the Jets to reunite with Sam Darnold, and he still potentially could. Uh, but with them getting Corey Davis, it seems more unlikely. We have Matt Milano returning to the Bills. I had talked about I just didn't really see a lot of teams that would want to make a pounce on him. And he's a good fit there, so props to him. Good for Buffalo. Four-year, $44 million. He's 26 years old. Pretty pretty good contract. Uh, Hassan Reddick and Alejandro Villanueva available. The Steelers signed Zach Banner, who they expect to be a starter. Uh, should be vicious in the run game. Big body guy coming off a you know an, a pretty brutal injury. Uh, but Villanueva just didn't have it last year. Um, I don't expect him to return, but I'm sure team looking for talent. If the, the, the Chargers will pay for what they did for Matt Filer, Villanueva will get a contract somewhere. And Hassan Reddick, I love him. I mean, he's 26 years old. I wouldn't be surprised if they if he got a friendly contract to stay with Arizona, but. With all these edge rusher payments, I mean, he'll he'll get a fat contract somewhere. Marcus May, franchise tagged by the Jets, as expected. Matt Judon, what a steal by the Patriots. Four-year, $56 million. Uh, he's one of my favorite defensive players. I know him a little too well as a Steeler fan. Um, big bolster move by the Patriots. They're getting the right people. Uh, Daryl Williams, re-signed by Buffalo. Pretty affordable contract. Three-year, $28 million. Good move for them. Got to keep Josh Allen upright Shaq Griffin three-year 40 million dollar contract by the Jags I'd say that's a little bit of a reach but he you know has shown that he's capable of playing for a contract like that so we'll be interesting to see what happens in Jacksonville that team's definitely going to be different uh the next couple of years Rob Gronkowski obviously staying with the Bucks there's no other option uh Patrick Peterson still on sign at 30 years old I'm sure he'll go somewhere if Joe Hayden can still play at the level he is I'm expecting Patrick Peterson to play borderline Pro Bowl level on the right fit Dalvin Tomlinson, big boy for the Giants, 27 in his prime. What a move by uh, Minnesota. They needed to bolster that defensive front. Two-year, $22 million contract, so great move by both teams. Yannick Nguakwe going to uh, the Raiders, two-year, 26. You know, this is kind of another where there's smoke, there's fire. Nobody else wanted to keep them. What the fuck are the Raiders doing getting rid of one of their better linemen? They're just dumping players, adding other players. Whatever Bayok and Gruden got going on, it's it, it's. I want to say it's a smart. You know, they got something planned. They're they're probably going to roll like Billichek does and surprise us all. Uh, but I really got my head scratching. I hope the Steelers make a move for that center. The Seahawks. I mean, if if the Seahawks don't make moves for these guys, they're they're psychotic. Make Russell Wilson happy. Get the shit figured out, and you guys will be able to compete. Will Fuller still available? Stud talent. Um, couple steroid issues, so definitely risky. Jameis staying with the Saints. I'd assume he's a starter. Surprising move here. Leonard Floyd staying with the Rams at four-year 64. I didn't know they had that kind of money. I know they cut a couple people. Malcolm Brown was one of those casualties today. Uh, but you got to keep Leonard Floyd with the defensive front, the chemistry that they have. Same thing that I was talking about um, with Tampa Bay. It just makes too much sense. He's kind of revived his career there. Other free agents available of a note. Jadavion Clowney, Xavier Rhodes, Eric Wilson, Sammy Watkins, Kevin King, Troy Hill, Kenyon Drake, T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, I've talked about him. The other receiver the Patriots got was Nelson Aguilar. 
If they want to have Aguilar over a Juju Smith-Schuster, that kind of says something about what other teams think of Juju. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Aguilar is still in his prime, but he's just had some rough patches. Um, and the Patriots haven't done very good at receivers. So that was more of a head-scratcher. I like Kendrick Moore more. Uh, Chidobia Woozy guard in the Bengals. Uh, like I said, Matt Filer, 3 or 21 mil. Crazy. Uh, head-scratcher for L.A. Cam Robinson staying with the Jags. Franchise tag. That's no surprise. Uh, Andy Dalton, we had talked about that. Kind of a head-scratcher there. You know, they went all in on Russell Wilson, which was never going to happen in the first place. Patriots getting Jalen Mills, another big contract. I love Jalen Mills, man. He's in his prime, 26. He's scrappy. He's the closest thing to Mike Hilton that I've seen out there. And the Steelers keeping Cameron Sutton. You know, a lot of people want to say that we should have kept Hilton, but Hilton factually is undersized, and Sutton's cheaper. He's shown the potential and never had the opportunity, and he could play a hybrid uh, a little bit everywhere. I mean, so could Hilton. Uh, but I like the signing. We had to keep somebody. Um, other recent moves outside of that. Uh, Manuel Sanders, one-year contract with the Bills. You know, with him and Cole Beasley, it's going to be hard to to cover these guys underneath. But Cole Beasley getting older. Emmanuel Sanders is 34. You know, he's not a spring chicken anymore. So it's not like this is, you know, prime Emmanuel Sanders. But still good signing by them. Uh, Cole Beasley, 31, a little bit younger. Uh, but still uh, some injury-prone at-risk receivers. If Beasley and Sanders are hurt, that's going to be tough for them to overcome. Uh, the Bears re-signed Jermaine Effetti, old Seahawks lineman. Got to keep linemen there. Bills trading tight end Lee Smith to the Falcons. I don't even know who Lee Smith is, so I can't really comment on that one. Um, Seahawks about to re-sign Puna Ford. They missed out on all those free agents. They got to sign Puna Ford. That's a tough one. Uh, Ravens keeping Derek Wolf, good DN, scrappy. Um, Kelvin Beachin staying with the Cardinals, know him well as an ex uh, ex Steeler. Titans getting Janoris Jenkins, that's a pretty big move for them. Uh, Jaguars got Malcolm Brown from the Saints, that's a pretty big move. I like that. Jacoby Brissett going to the Dolphins, good backup move. I I'm glad he's still in the league. I think he's earned it. Marvin Jones to the Jaguars. I did not see that earlier. That's that's interesting. Mar Marvin Jones always thinks going to decline. And he keeps performing, so probably a great move for the Jags. Tyrod Taylor to the Texans. Uh, you know they got to figure it out because they got to get. They can't keep Watson. I don't think he's going to play there. And oh, Damian Williams got cut by the uh, Chiefs. I'm sure he'll get a team somewhere. They got Ceh Clyde's Edwards Hilaire now. Titans releasing Adoree Jackson. He's a pretty time, pretty big time corner. I know he had his, uh, you know, a slide in production, uh, but I'm sure he'll go somewhere and make moves. Tremont Williams, 38 years old, retiring. Great stud player, but I'm sure it's uh, it was due for him. John Ross, the speedster. I think he broke the 40 record, if memory corrects me. Uh, he was hyped up. You know, he's from the Huskies, so here in Seattle, I'm familiar with him. One-year deal to the Giants, getting some speed for them. You never know. He might turn into something, but I never thought highly of him. I like Dante Pettis better, who is for uh, the 49ers now. He got hurt as well. He was expected to be one of their starters. And then Colts got a tender on uh, Zach Pascal. You got to keep him. Browns got Tack McKinley, adding a lot of players on their defense. But the storyline to me is the, the Raiders with uh, Rodney Hudson, three-time Pro Bowler, uh, one of the most consistent guys I just, I don't know what the hell the Raiders are doing. 
But if I'm any team such as the Steelers, you got to make a move for that guy. He'll probably be asked too much for what the Steelers can afford. But hey, he's available. Make your moves. All righty. NFL free agency, baby. Lots of moves happening. Let's talk fights. Every Saturday, we got the fights going on. You know, this wasn't a three championship stacked card, but it was still a card that showed some, uh, that had some fun fights. So we'll dive in and talk further. Uh, we had in the prelims a fight that I cared about. My first parlay of the night Courtney Casey versus JJ Aldrich. Aldrich, you know, Casey, the veteran, Aldrich, the young up and comer. I thought Casey was going to outdo her through all facets, um, you know, wrestling, grittiness, just aggressiveness. She outdid Aldrich standing up, but she, Aldrich got four takedowns. That was the difference in the fight. So my energy of the, the whole fight card wasn't as exciting because when I don't have money on the line, it's just not as intriguing. Courtney Casey lost via split decision. So there was, there was my energy and the start of the fight for me. And then we had this fight. I mean, I think we all knew how this was going to go. I've already analyzed this previously because it was supposed to happen. Uh, we had Angela Hill over Ashley Yoder. Same thing as last time, unanimous decision, so no surprise here. Hill just really dominated her with her tenacity and volume as expected. Uh, you know, even though she's older, she'll still keep coming at you. Uh, a lot of these girls that started Ultimate Fighter, started the women's division, that's just how they are because they didn't have the striking and the, the coaching and the abilities that th these younger stud women do now. Um, Hill now 12 in the division. What's next? I'm not too sure. Uh, maybe Felice uh, Herrig. She's never fought her. I think they were on the Ultimate Fighter pretty similar times. And then we also have um, Amanda Ribas, who is coming off a tough loss, who is supposed to leapfrog her career. And Angela Hill, you know, she's no Shevchenko or anything major, but she's someone who's consistently in the rankings, tough to beat. Uh, so, you know, you, you're able to beat Angela. It could keep uh, boosting you up the rankings. So that's a fight that I like. Um, uh, as potential, uh, as Amanda's right now, right number 10 and Felice Herrig is 15, Angela Hill getting up there a little bit in age, either fight new opponents. Uh, it'll be a fun one for me. Moving on from that, things just got crazy, man. Uh, another need D, uh, DQ disqualification. When I see fighters that are, you know, not brand new, which these guys aren't. And obviously the last fight wasn't as it was a championship bout. Who do we blame for this? Is it, you know, you're in a fight, you know, the, the knowledge is you're a fighter, you're going through some adversity, you forget to think. But I know that these guys aren't thinking, let me knee while, knee you in the head while this person's obviously down. This guy this time was up against the cage, obviously one leg down. The pewter Jan one, obliviously he was clearly down and that was clearly a dirty, illegal move. Um, you got to blame the coaches. I mean, you got to be able to coach them. You got to be able to make clarity. And that's something you got to prepare for. Like, Illegal uh, elbows, the 12 to 6, the knees, the eye pokes, those very specific things that you see happen a lot where your fighters putting all their blood, sweat, and tears and they're not getting paid a lot to go and make these fights. And that's the way it ends. It's just disgusting. There's got to be changes. The coaches got to get their shit together. If I'm a fighter and I'm in a, like a new camp or, you know, I don't have a good chemistry with my coach and that shit happens, man, yeah, I'm making moves. Unless I'm just a dumbass and did it clearly by myself, but... Uh, we got to blame the coaches here, I think. And then after that, Davey Grant, man, second round knockout over Jonathan Martinez, put him to sleep. Uh, that puts him on a three fight win streak. Uh, also, he has beat Marlon Vera, who's 15th in this very stacked bantamweight division. 
you know, potentially could get a ranked opponent with a with a nice knockout. Jonathan Martinez, pretty tough opponent as well. Um, we'll see what happens. Very tough and deep bantamweight division. I believe Mar- Vera, Marlon Vera is still ranked. Yep, he's 15th currently. Kyler Phillips, 14. So, yeah, I, I'd expect him to be right around the ranked opponent area. Uh, but good win for him. And then Dan Ige, baby. I put bets on second, third, and fourth round. I knew that he was going to knock out Gavin Tucker. I just had a feeling. And he ended up doing it way too soon. With a vicious first-round knockout, 22 seconds. Um, That puts him at ninth in the featherweight division. Let me double-check. Eighth. He moved up one. Uh, Eighth in the featherweight division. Would love to hit to see him versus Josh Emmett. My nickname, Mr. Clean. That's my buddy Dave Bellin gave him that nickname. Big buff guy, bald, looks like Mr. Clean, right? Uh, guy's a fucking animal, destroyed his knee, ended up beating this guy with it, the shredded knee, ACL, MCL, PCL, you name it. Uh, so he's been recovering, but I think he's going to be ready to go sometime soon, and that would be an awesome fight to see. Uh, Josh Emmett's ranked number seven currently. You know, if he wants to turn it around quickly because he had such a, a quick knockout, I know he's a dad now, maybe he wants some time off, I'm not sure. If I'm Dan Ige, I'm in my prime, I'm making moves. Uh, how about Korean Zombie? Korean Zombie has been pissed because he can't book fights. He's potentially talking about moving up to lightweight, which, hey, you know, maybe that's a division that works for him, but with the names in there, do you really want to go to lightweight? Fight Dan Ige on a quick turnaround. That's, you know, Dan Ige is a great fighter. I know Korean Zombie is ranked fifth, and he probably wants somebody higher, uh, but that that would be an awesome fight as I think Korean Zombie is declining a little bit and Dan Ige stocks boosting. And then we had the fight before the main event, Ryan Spann versus Misha Sirkunov. Uh, every time I, I said last week, every time I see Ryan Spann, he just continually improves because you could see that he's so raw. And I didn't think that he had the technical skill, no offense, uh, to get a first-round knockout. So I put my money on the second round, thinking that he'd get close and then finish Misha in the second. Well, boy, was I wrong. Span was just methodically beautiful with his power and speed in there that night. Uh, he was patient. He was aggressive at the same time and put all that power in the right strikes. And um, it just looked like Misha was just scared, man. He, he had nothing. You know, he was just coming with, the, with these bombs. And I think it threw off his game plan completely. Still very raw, Ryan Span, but it's all starting to come together. And he's going to start leapfrogging up the, the lightweight uh, rankings. He's currently ranked 13. They, they updated these since I did my script. So we'll do it. Currently ranked number 11. Um, so yeah, he's going to be moving up, be getting bigger names. And this is where shit starts getting serious. Uh, anyone ranked ahead of him, he hasn't fought besides Johnny Walker. He took a loss to him, who's number 10. Um, so yeah, lots of interesting fights there. Ozemir, uh, Magomed Ankalev, who won just a couple weeks ago. Anthony Smith. Yeah, I mean, I doubt that they give him a fight that big. If I'm Ryan Spann, I might be taking somebody like Paul Craig um, or Jamal Hill. You know, I don't think he's fought those guys. But either way, this kid stock is boosting. Lots of fun to watch. I'll continually pick on Ryan Spann unless he gets the big dogs. Um, Main event, man. I've been wanting to see Leon Edwards. I loved their production, ESPN's production crew. Put their package and story together on Leon Edwards. Coming from the hood of the UK, uh, having to battle through, it was either get in the gangs or get into fighting. He ended up, his mom said, hey, you should try this gym. He got into fighting, fell in love with it, brought his brother in, got him off the streets. You know, great story. 
hyped up, Muhammad on a, on a streak, getting the biggest fight of his life. I knew Muhammad couldn't hang, and I think the start of the fight showed that. But damn, man, this eye poke, vicious eye poke. Is it Leon's fault? Absolutely not. Dana White, UFC, us as fans are sick of watching these big fights get ended in this sort of fashion. But more importantly, think of Bilal Muhammad. Biggest fight of his career. Gets eye-poked. Has to be done. Probably won't get a shot like that against a uh, big-name fighter in a long time. Has to recover. Has to regroup. Who knows if he actually has eye injuries. His eyelid was pretty nastily cut. And then Leon Edwards. The guy's been out for a year. We've all been excited. He was in purgatory. No one wanted to book a fight because they know he's good. But, he, you know, in the UFC, it's a lot of politics now. You have to be able to sell. You got to be able to, you know, have that story to rival, get people up. And uh, now that he's eye-poked somebody, it's just brutal. And I I feel for um, Leon. He says, you know, I still deserve a title. He probably does, but you don't eye-poke your way to a title. It just doesn't work that way. Um, So who knows what's going to be next for him. I feel terrible. You know, like I said, these guys don't get paid enough. They put their blood, sweat, and tears in. And there's options, right? Trevor Whitman has gone on to fucking Joe Rogan's podcast. We know that there's other options of gloves uh, that have been presented to them. I really like the Onyx ones Trevor Whitman's created because it helps keep your hands closed. The UFC gloves today, everybody knows, flares your hands. So when you throw, you have to continually grip, which there's so much going on for me just to think of keep clenching my hands while I'm throwing is a little bit more difficult than a glove that's already supporting me. So please fucking make a difference. Us as fans, I'm sure the fighters are even more sick of it and eliminate it. And they were saying, well, the UFC wanted rights to Trevor Whitman's gloves so they couldn't find a contract. Dude, you guys have bajillion dollars. You guys want to continually grow the sport. We can't have main events like this. It's going to crumble uh, the sport. It's going to help other promotions get bigger who probably won't have the damn shitty UFC gloves. So figure it out. Talk to Trevor. That's my first option. But talk to somebody who has a better fucking glove and get the job done. Uh, Or pay the fighters more. Either one. And I doubt that they'll do that, so I'm sure they'll figure out the gloves. Now, um, the, the the shitty thing with Leon, too, is, is one of his only losses is Usman. So I'm sure Usman's just like, what the, why the fuck would I want to fight this guy? Um, since then, they've announced the Street Jesus rematch because he didn't have a, a camp. You know, this is a lot similar to what I think is about to happen with Poirier and McGregor. He's taking this fight because it's more intriguing with the politics. The fans get hyped up because of the story. And he talks a lot of shit, uh, which Usman really doesn't. Um, and it'll be a bigger payday, right? Somebody like a Leon Edwards, it's just kind of a lost loss in that place. I'm not intrigued by the Street Jesus fight. Am I going to watch? Absolutely. Could Masvidal pull it off? Absolutely. The guy's a fucking savage, right? He, was, he grew up street fighting, for Christ's sakes, with Kimbo Slice. I'm not counting the guy out, but... Usman is a fucking savage. I mean, this is GSP level type quality that we're talking about. And look at the opponents he's beaten. Broke Colby Covington's jaw. Beat Street Jesus. You know, he continually just beaten the toughest motherfuckers. So this isn't an intriguing fight. But what does Usman have for an intriguing fight? I've talked about this. Nothing really. The only thing that gets me pumped up is moving up to middleweight because he is massive and fighting Izzy. But he said he won't because they want to have... Um, two, you know, three potential Nigerian champions, uh, Francis Ngannou, Izzy, and himself. He's already beat Burns. He's already beat Leon Early. He already beat Jorge Masvidal. He already beat Kobe. Steven Thompson's been up and down lately. I would have been more intrigued to see that. Or Michael Chiesa, since he's moving up, even though I think he'd probably demolish both of those guys. But, hey, you know, that's that's what happens. Um, I'd rather see Colby Covington fight, though. 
uh, rematch than that. Potentially, Leon Edwards can fight a Colby Covington, fight a top contender, but it seems like Colby's not interested in that, just like everybody else. Um, it's probably going to be Colby Covington and Gilbert Burns, which is still must-see TV, uh, but Leon Edwards is kind of fucked here. Maybe he can get Wonder Boy because he's kind of in a little purgatory himself, uh, but hopefully he gets a fight soon. Hopefully he gets somebody credible uh, because, you know, he took a, a lot lower opponent in this fight just to get back, um, but bummer way to end that main event. Dana, UFC, get the gloves fixed. That's all we got to say. UFC fans around the world. Hashtag Dana, figure it out. Now we move on to this week's fight night before a massive, massive Stipe and Ghana rematch card, which I already want to talk about, but that's a week away. So if you want to talk about it with me, just tune in next week. We'll have that and stand for you. That's multiple hours of content for you. So UFC fight night starting in the prelims like I always do. We got an interesting women's fight. Yeah, I know. Everyone's like, why does Shane keep talking these women's fight? Because they're actually pretty damn good, all right? And the women need to get credit, too. Uh, we got Marion Renew, 43 years old. Like, that's some Randy Couture type shit. She's still out there fighting. Uh, Macy Chiasson, 29. I'm, I'm more familiar with Chiasson. She's pretty savage within her own rights. And at 43 years old, three losses in a row. I mean, this is women's UFC for you, though, sadly. You're still ranked. She's ranked number nine. Let me double check. Yep, still ranked number nine, three losses in a row. There's just not a lot of depth there. Uh, but I'm picking uh, Macy. I'd put her on my parlay. You know, I did that last week. I knew the Courtney Casey fight was up in the air. But, hey, um, that's who I'm taking. I'm sticking to it. This is one of the bigger fights for Macy, though. She hasn't fought a lot of the upper division. Only Lena Landsberg, who's currently ranked uh, number 10. But it's her time to shine, so I expect her to get the job done. This is one of the bigger fights of her career which is crazy to think a 43-year-old in women's UFC that's on a three-fight loss streak. But hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Now we move on. Taya Tuavasa versus Dontel Mays. You know, Ty was definitely on the momentum train for a while, and then he's gotten stopped and humbled a couple times. But I still like this guy. He kind of talks some shit. He'll drink beer out of boot uh, shoes. Uh, he'll, he'll just do the New Zealand lifestyle. But... Um, he got a win after getting the spotlight on him, and he went on a three-fight skid, so he, he's he's back on track. Um, I don't expect this one to go long. Uh, Tuavasa has nine of his ten wins via knockout, and Mays has four of his eight wins via knockout. Unlike the Ryan Span, I ain't putting my money on the second round. I'm putting my money on the first round here and tie Tuavasa. Let's get the job done. We expect it. Um, keep moving up the rankings and get your, your career back on track. Moving into the second, I don't think this, and these fight nights, I don't think these are technically co-main events, right? But the fight before the main event, we got Gregor Gillespie versus Brad Riddell. Gregor Gillespie, 33 years old, Riddell, 29. Riddell's on a six-fight win streak, right? I had to look this guy up. I think I may have seen a fight of his, you know, sometimes you don't really know. You see the photos on UFC's webpage, but... Sometimes you don't know until you watch the fight. I'll watch the fight, and they'll start telling a story. about, Oh, shit, yeah, I remember that ultimate fighter fighter. I remember that fight against this guy. Uh, but six-fight win streak, so no slump. You know, Gillespie definitely on a uh, a, a tear and, and starting to build his stock for sure. Uh, he was 13-0 until he ran into the Motown phenom, Kevin Lee. Um, he's looking to get back on track. Gillespie, a D1 wrestler from Edinburgh University. Um, I think he'll win in good fashion here, and he will be right in the mix of the lightweight division, which is 
a stacked division. I know I keep saying this, but in the men's divisions, a lot of depth, uh, deep, deep uh, weight classes. But this one has got to be the cream of the crop. Uh, Gregor's ranked 15, Kevin Lee 13. Uh, this will be a big fight for him. But what an even bigger fight if Riddell could win in notorious fashion. That would be something where he goes, Dana, give me a ranked opponent. Give me paid, baby. That's a big fight. That would be a big call out. Um, if I'm putting on my parlay, I'm going to put Gillespie. But it's not one that I feel 100% confident about. And actually, I'm not putting a parlay on this fight because all the favorites are expected to win. And there's four fights I was confident in. And it was like a $50 payout for 150 bucks. There's not enough certainty in the UFC for those kind of odds. But... This will probably be the most intriguing fight outside of the main event. Um, huge jump in competition for Riddell, though. See if he can do it. He's got Muay Thai, kickboxing background, and a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. We'll see what's happening. Those styles sound like a fun matchup to me. I don't know about you, but I'm still taking Gillespie, the 33-year-old stud. Now let's talk the main event of the evening. Derek Brunson, 37 years old. Kevin Holland, the shit-talking knockout artist from his back at 28 years old. I mean, Kevin Holland, ladies and gentlemen, this guy is insane. He knocked out Jacare Souza while talking shit on his back, threw up an elbow, and just rocked the guy. Um, this guy is definitely on a stock increasing freaking like... The, he, he's like the GameStop stock right now. Everyone's loving Kevin Holland. And, you know, Derek Brunson being 37 years old, he's a legend. He's getting more on his decline, though. So I have to go with Kevin Holland. Derek Brunson is prime. This would be even more fireworks, but uh, this is going to be an awesome fight. Um, since the loss to Izzy, Brunson is on a three-fight win streak. Holland on a five-fight win, win streak of his own. And besides Thiago Santos, who Holland lost to, this is probably the biggest competition that he's faced. So uh, definitely a huge win for him. I like how he's not shooting up the rankings, though. He's taking his time getting the right opponents. You know, if I'm Kevin Holland getting Brunson at the later half of his career, definitely a great move. Um, both him and Souza aren't in their prime, but legit competition. You know, those are the bigger names that he's fast, uh, faced recently. But I think this is going to be fireworks. If I got my money on it, probably a second or third round knockout. It'll probably happen in the first, though, because everyone has been pretty vicious lately. Uh, but as we look at the rankings here, let's see. Holland and Brunson. Kevin Holland, number 10. Derek Brunson, number 7. Kevin Gastelum, by the way, just announced to get the fill-in fight for Robert Whitaker as Paula Costa is supposedly just super ill. I think this guy is just afraid to fight good people. I thought he was going to get destroyed by Robert Whitaker. He probably found that out himself. Uh, but good for Kevin Gastelum getting another shot. This was the title fight that ran away from him. He, they were both ultimate fighter coaches uh like 2018 rough maybe 2017 uh but that's a, an awesome stylistic matchup but division's got a lot of moving pieces uh kevin holland wins this he's definitely going to leapfrog as there's a lot of fighters ahead of him with booked fights uh but hey this is going to be a fun one um excited to see what happens end of the month we have ufc 260 with two massive title fights uh, that will really change the landscape in both their divisions for quite a while, in my opinion. You know, if Stipe loses, that really just opens the door for a revolving title change. You know, Francis very well could hold it down, but with his lack of wrestling and the way people have taken him down, I want to assume that'd be the case. You know, I'm going to go with Stipe in this one. We'll dissect to this further next week. Uh, but my guy, the Sugar Show, he's back. Sean O'Malley with his perfect record on the line. Uh, that's the inside joke because, you know, he did lose to Marlon Vera, uh, but not really. 
Um, but I'm excited to see the Sugar Shell back. Got to give my Montana peeps, my Wyoming peeps credit when it's due. This kid's straight fireworks, uh, which really the bantamweight division is. Uh, one of his better training partners, Kyle Matrix Phillips, now ranked 14th in division. I would assume a pretty nasty knockout against Thomas Almeida, but a big win here could boost him up right outside or inside the top 15. Let's transition. It's March. What does that mean? It's basketball time. Whether you're talking college sports, whether you're talking NBA, it's just basketball time, right? I got my snowboard in the hallway, but I know like with the snow not coming, it's about to get put in here in my closet, get stored away. If the gyms were open, I'd have my balls out. My balls are still sitting right there, uh, but it's hoop season. Uh, so let's talk NBA before we dive into my bracket and have a lot of fun. So Wednesday was the first games back from the All-Star break last week when, when we had episode 12. But really, this is the time after All-Star break that we get to see which teams have the chemistry, which teams are gaining momentum, and who's going to be buyers and sellers before the deadline. Usually the NBA deadline, a little bit more active than the NFL. Who knows what's going to happen with COVID this year, but there are some teams that have some holes that I'm assuming going to be making some big-time moves. Uh, but this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, with Joel and beat out, the nets are definitely coming for number one. Um, that, that, what a brutal loss. Thank God. It's not season ender, uh, season ending for him. He's also probably the MVP front runner, but it opens the door even more for Nikola Jokic, the Joker out of mile high Denver, Colorado and the nuggets, but doors open. I assume the nets to, to, to swoop in number one and look at Miami, the heat sneakily back in number four, right where they belong. You know, they had a lot of COVID issues. Tyler Harrow was out for a while. Bam out. Jimmy Butler out. Uh, but even without Bam, they've climbed back into the Eastern standings, which really shows their potential as a reigning Eastern Conference champions. I think people forget that. Uh, but a, a team I definitely want, wouldn't want to see in the playoffs if I'm an Eastern Conference team. And then the Suns, baby. All of a sudden, second in the West. I had to do a double take on that when I was looking. I was like, oh, shit. Because uh, you're used to having the Lakers and the Clippers there, but the Suns just keep on winning. I think uh, I was watching their game against the Blazers the other night, and they said they have the best record since like three weeks before All-Star break, something of that nature. Uh, we look at their last 10. They're 8-2, and two, which besides the six, oh, there's some teams in the East with a better last 10. But still, 8-2 and two in the West, you're doing something right. Uh, the thing CP3 has done recently, when nobody really gives him the credit that he deserves because he doesn't have a, sh a chip, and a lot of people think he's the reason that the Rockets didn't win, which is fucking bananas. Uh, but what he did with the Thunder, a team that wasn't expected to go very far, was right in the mix of the conference standings, made the playoffs, and was a team nobody wanted to play. Helped really develop the guards on his team. Schroeder now in L.A. Uh, with, with Braun and also Shagas, who's really just taking up another level this year. And then look at what he's doing with the Suns. The Suns were, you know... 9th, 10th in the in the West last year. Now they find themselves in the second spot. Uh, they have some nice young talent. Devin Booker, Mikkel Bridges, Nova Nation, baby. Um, so, yeah, De DeAndre Ayton's improving. Uh, but the things in the leadership that Chris Paul provides, I think you just can't really summarize that up in words, and I think he needs to continually get more credit for that. Uh, I hope one day he's a coach. You see what Steve Nash is doing with the Nets. Uh, but goddamn, this guy really can lead a team. So let's talk Wednesday. Uh, the Grizz beat the Wizards, and Jonas Valenciunas with 29 points, 20 rebounds. They got him on my fantasy team. He's getting buckets, double-doubles for days. I had to give him some shout-out because he's just underrated. Uh, you know, he, he left Toronto, and I think he just – Memphis isn't a team that gets a lot of clout besides John Morant. 
So just got to give this guy his credit. I mean, he's performing. He's doing well. Memphis right now in the 10th spot. Only a couple games out of the eight, but hey, seven through 10, get that play in games. I assume that they'll still be in there. Uh, but Valencia Eunice, way to hoop. Keep it going. Uh, the Mavs that Wednesday also defeated the Spurs as they looked up to make some ground the second half. I don't think many people, analysts, including myself, had predicted that the Mavs would be hovering at 500 with Porzingis back barely in the playoff picture. Uh, so I'd expect them to get some more wins. And Porzingis with 28 and 14, you know, there was a supposed trade rumor, more media bullshit. I told you guys he's not going anywhere. He's, he's starting to pick it up. Um, ladies and gentlemen, watch out for the unicorn and Luka Doncic. Uh, this team reminds me just so much of that dark team and they're going to be fun to watch. Moving on to Thursday, Kyrie Irving and the Nets just taking it to the Celtics. Celtics continually sliding down the conference standings. Got to figure something out. But boy, the Nets look good. At this point, the way Kyrie played against his former team that day, he had 40 points, 8 assists. No one's going to stop that Nets team. I mean, I wanted to say, hey, first year, it's probably not going to happen. There's other teams. But this team is going to win. I, I'll, I'll put, I'd bet on it right now. No, you know, Anyone wanted to bet me, the, the stipulation is if KD's healthy. right? If K, KD comes back, gets re-injured, there's a, a lot more risk there. But if KD comes back, it is healthy. This team is not going to get beaten. Watch out, NBA. Put your Vegas bets now, baby. It's probably too late. The odds are too good. But hey, uh, they're they're a deadly team. The Hawks beat the Raptors without Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam, who've been out. Trey Young with a whopping 37 points. The Thunder also beat the Mavericks that night without Luka and the Unicorn. For some reason, they need rest after the All-Star break. When you're in the standings there, I just don't, you know, maybe they had some back tightness or some shit, but I'm having my stars play if I'm, I'm sitting that far in the Western Conference standings. And then uh, Clippers took it to the Warriors behind Kawhi's 29-8. and eight. Uh, Kawhi just out there, you know, doing big things, very efficient, always good in the plus-minus. And then Chef Curry the, uh, with only 14 points that night on 16 shots. Tough way to start the second half for, for Chef Curry. And then the Suns beat the Blazers. That was a game that I was saying that I watched. Very tough Western Conference matchup. No CJ McCollum still, but Booker had 35 points and Dame Dahl with 30 points, seven assists, eight rebounds. What a game. Those games are always fun to watch when you got guards like CP3, Booker, um, and Dame Dahl. Right now, Portland's six in the Western standings, and we talked about the Suns uh, being two and a half back as it stands live right now to the Utah Jazz. CJ McCollum's back too. We'll talk about that. He uh, actually right now, as we speak, is the second doubleheader on TNT. It's Pelicans Blazers. CJ's getting his first back. Looking interested to see how he looks. I think with how well P Portland was playing, that they didn't rush it, and they also have uh, Joseph Nurchik, who's going to be coming back. So hey, that that Blazer team could be sneaky. I always talk shit that they're never going to win it, but still, as a playoff opponent, a healthy team, they're, they're dangerous. Um, Friday, the Nuggets squeaked by the Grizzlies. The Nuggets keep rolling. Uh, Jamal Murray with three points on 14 shots. You got to be able to beat the Grizz in this game if you want to be a Western Conference uh, contender. You know, the Joker putting the team on his back. He's on my fantasy team. He puts my fantasy team on his back as well. Uh, 28 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists. Something they got to figure out. Jamal Murray just doesn't look the same this year. I think playoff Jamal was definitely an epiphany. Can't be having nights like that. That's, that's, a, that's a drought for sure. Uh, the Lakers barely took the dub against the Pacers first game back because they had a, a skid before the All-Star break. 
Kuzma actually leading the AD less Lakers in scoring, 24 points, 13 rebounds. And Brogdon, my guy, I love Malcolm Brogdon, battling it out, 29 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, just wasn't enough. The Pacers, man, they're 17 and 21. They're at the 10 spot right in the playoff. But preseason, I would never have guessed Pacers and, and Raptors uh, looking this, this tough. Obviously, they've had injuries, COVID issues, you name it. But who really hasn't, right? Most of the teams in the league dealing with that. Saturday, the Hornets bested the Raptors. Again, Raptors keep sliding. Uh, LaMelo, 23 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, almost triple-double stats. Rookie of the year, anybody? Uh, the Raptors continue to slip without Fred Van Fleet and Siakam. They need their boys back. Uh, the Mavericks beat the Nuggets. Good, nice Western Conference battle there. And the Unicorns staying hot. 25 points, 6 rebounds. The Joker with 26, 8, and 11, but it's just not enough. Like I said, the Nuggets... Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the Western Conference Finals last year. Supposedly, Michael Porter Jr. was going to take a leap. That was going to be the difference to, to set them over. They currently are 23-16 and 16, right in the middle of the West. So you got to be able to beat the Mavericks. But we talked about how important this is for the Mavericks. They keep winning. And Porzingis is back, baby. The Pacers slowed down the Suns. Karis LeVert returns. What a fucking story this guy is. I've always liked him as a player. Um, gets his first win in a Pacer uniform. You know, what a good story. I mean, had the kidney mass out of nowhere on the physical when he got traded from Brooklyn, and they he said that that physical saved his life. I didn't think he'd be playing, but he played. He played well. Awesome story. Good to see Karras back. Hopefully that could help that Pacers rotation to move up the standings. Um, next day, Sunday, the Jazz. Fuck, man, that was a tough game. It was really tough for me to watch. I uh, had gone on live Instagram Instagram live for the first time for business and buckets. I uh, did my bracket fill out, and that was right after this loss. The Warriors had called up Jordan Poole. You know, I like Jordan Poole. And Nico Mannion from the G League to get their second unit going, and they just slapped the Jazz everywhere. Uh, the Jazz chemistry pre-All-Star break and after has just been looking out of, out of whack. It's not, you know, the dominant Utah Jazz that we were seeing. I should get used to that, though, right? This is the best start we've ever had as a Jazz Nation and as a fan in my lifetime. Um, you know, uh, can it be sustainable? Only time will tell. They're just passing too much, though. They, you know, they have a lot of the Spurs team where they're where they're finding the open pass, but they're taking away good shots, trying to get better ones. It's turning into turnovers. Uh, so people just need to step up when the shots made. Bogdanovich is looking lost out there. He's getting beat on the defensive end. Everyone's attacking him. Uh, but Chef Curry, 32 points, 9 assists in this game. Gobert with the nasty line, 24 points, 28 boards, and 4 blocks. But yeah, the chemistry is not there. They barely beat the Rockets that Friday. Uh, they better figure it out if they want to stay in, up atop the Western Conference uh, standings, which is very important for the Utah Jazz because of matchups. You want to be at home. Uh, you don't want to be that 5 or 4 seed like they usually are and have to play the Lakers before the Western Conference Finals or the Clippers, you name it. Uh, but they need to stay up there, so they got to get their shit together. The 76ers blew out the Spurs. The Spurs really trying to figure out the rotation. They have a lot of guys in and out. How do I know? Well, I have Keldon Johnson on my team. He's been streaky. Uh, that whole team just has lots of you know pretty average, above-league average guys, but they're figuring out that rotation. And um, they officially announced that Marcus Aldridge is going to be leaving the team Interested to see who could pick him up. Uh, the 76ers just figuring out life without Embiid right now. That's going to be tough not having him. Uh, he, you know, what was really different from last year to this year is his play alone. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they can handle without him out for a few weeks at least. Out of nowhere, the Timberwolves taking down the Blazers. Anthony Edwards pops off with 34 points, 6 of 14 from 3. A lot of Dwayne Wade comparisons of this guy, especially when he slashes and attacks the hoop. I definitely see that. If he could shoot like this, you know, potentially, yeah, he can be a superstar. Everyone's saying he's about to boost his stock and really start uh, rolling. Um, I don't believe as highly in, in him as most, but hey, what a fucking performance. Way to show the people how to do it. Um, Pelicans that night also shocked the Clippers. Ball, Ingram, and Zion all with 20-plus points. Clippers can't be losing games like that. I like watching Pelicans games, so those guys are must-see TV, pretty much anybody they play. On Monday, the Clippers beat down the Mavs, even though Luka had 25-10-16. Nice triple-double stat line. Definitely seen the Mavs take losses with stat line like that, though. Um, crunch time gets to the best of them, turnovers. They got to improve. You can't be losing like that. Uh, Joker, Michael Porter Jr., and Will Barton all have 20 points in the Nuggets' victory over the Pacers. Michael Porton, Will Barton starting to heat up. Very good news for the Nuggets. Uh, someone needs to get those points that Jamal Murray is not getting. Um, Suns easily escaping the Grizzlies. The Lakers beat the Warriors uh, to get their win streak going. Harrell popping off on the bench, man. Uh, Lakers <laughs> looking good. If Harrell can you know, play like that, I think they'll be okay until AD comes back. I know uh, right at the break before second half, LeBron said, all right, this is where it's go time. Got to make things happen. They barely escaped by the Pacers, but good win here uh, versus the Warriors, especially after the Warriors' momentum and probably feeling good about themselves after the win against the Utah Jazz. This upcoming week, lots of good action coming at you. Jazz versus Celtics, Pelicans, Blazers, TNT doubleheader. As I mentioned right now, going on in my background, we got the Pelicans and Blazers. I'm going to tune into that, see CJ McCollum play. Uh, watch the Jazz. I was going to record this earlier, but wanted to watch that Jazz-Celtics game. As a true purist Jazz fan, they just look off. They got the dub, which this is the difference between the Jazz of old and the Jazz of this season. And an off night where the chemistry is not going good, you're turning the ball over too much. Gobert's been consistent all year and should be a, at least a top six MVP run, front runner in my opinion. Um, but he's playing consistent ball. The team's um, passing too much. Jordan Clarkson shooting sometimes a little too much, even though that they really do need that. Uh, but it just looks sloppy. They're still able to get the dub, come away with it. And Donovan shooting inefficient has really been slumping for two past two weeks of play and Donovan standards, right? Superstar standards. Uh, but when he has games like this, he still takes over in the fourth. He says, okay, it's my team. Let me put the team on my back. He'll attack it. He'll take shots uh, off nice screens, the three ball, and is really clutch. So I, I can't be too mad. You know, I thought I was going to have a disgusting taste in my, mouse over that, in my mouth over that game. You know, the Celtics, tough team. They have Marcus Smart back, but they are 20-19, six in the East. So if you're the Jazz, you got to win that game, even though it's their second of five on the road, their last long road skid. Uh, of, the, of the season. Good win by the Jazz, though, even though it was ugly. Those are the things that separate a top-tier team to not a top-tier team. Um, you know, Pelicans-Blazers, that's a big game as well. Pelicans still battling in for that top 10. Uh, the Blazers are currently in the sixth spot. CJ McCollum back, though, that's going to be fun, so that, that's must-see TV. Uh, on Wednesday, we have Nets versus Pacers. Levert's first game against his former team. I'm sure he's excited for that one. Uh, the Bucks versus Sixers on ESPN. 
Noah Embiid, not as intriguing. I'd expect Giannis to just do work in this game, but still going to be a great game, ESPN game. Uh, Hornets versus Nuggets. We got LaMelo. You got Bridges. P.J. Washington playing good ball. Gordo. Um, the Nuggets, you know, really having to win. The Hornets kind of falling out of it as they are. I don't know. They're 20 and 18 in the fifth spot. So they're right in the middle. So really even a bigger game than I was thinking. Um, it should be a dandy offensive fire, firepower shootout. If I'm betting, I'm putting on the over in that game. Uh, Mavs versus Clippers that night on ESPN as well. Talked about how important the games are for the, the Mavericks. They had just played the Clippers and lost, even though Luka had a triple-double. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting one. Thursday, Pelicans versus Blazers for their second matchup in two days, coming right after tonight's game. Hornets versus Lakers on NBA TV. That's, again, must-see TV. Uh, Hornets right in the midst of the, the standings. going to be fun. Uh, Friday, we got Jazz Raptors. You know, no Van Fleet, Siakam must win for the Jazz, but the Raptors try, trying to stay relevant. Uh, we have Pacers versus Heat, Mavs versus Blazers on NBA TNT. Uh, really big game for the Blazers and the Mavs trying to stay relevant in the very tough Western Conference. Each game makes a different second half. Everything's a little bit more under a microscope the second half. And then um, Saturday, Spurs versus Bucks. The Spurs still in the seventh, even though they're sliding, figuring out their rotation. Uh, so this is a big game for them. Uh, building that you know confidence back up. Hornets versus Clippers also on Saturday. Um, anything with Hornets and Clippers must see TV. Sunday we got Heat versus Pacers again. Pelicans versus Nuggets. Lakers versus Suns on NBA TV. Can't wait for that one. Uh, let's see. Who, let's see if these Suns are really the real deal. Interested to see how LeBron uh, LeBron responds uh, against a top tier team in the West. And then we also have. Mavs versus Blazers to round out Sunday. So lots of good games on Sunday. Coming right hot into the week before the next podcast. We got Celtics versus Grizzlies and Pacers versus Bucks on NBA TV. Giannis, Sabonis, Miles Turner, potentially in the trade rumors. I, I doubt that happens. Uh, but lots of good matchups coming on uh, as teams are trying to create separation and really figure out who's going to be where. Do teams need to add to their rotations? Well... You know what that means? It is time for the brackets, baby. I had done the Instagram live video, but we're going to talk more brackets. Why? Because it's March. What do you do? You talk brackets. You got a girlfriend. What's happening on the first weekend of ba- on March Madness? We're watching basketball, babe. I don't care. You got It's all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, all day Monday. Couple days off, second round. I got parlays. We got it popping off. It is March Madness. We didn't have it last year. I'm freaking a little kid on Christmas. And even though Villanova is probably not going to win it all uh, with Colin Gillespie out, I do have him into the Sweet 16. So we'll dive into that. Um, if you haven't seen the Instagram live video already, check it out at Business and Podcast. Uh, excuse me, at Business and Buckets Podcast on Instagram at Gillette36 for my personal page. Uh, shared it to both. Uh, it's going to be a mixed bag with COVID. Obviously, Virginia and Kansas already have been issues. Since the Instagram live video, I made minor tweaks because of that. I really wanted to put Kansas over Gonzaga, uh, but with the stipulation, some of their better players having COVID issues and potentially not being able to play, uh, that puts them at risk. And majority of uh, Virginia's team might not play the first weekend, which is definitely puts them at risk as well. So I had to make some minor adjustments. Um, but hey, 
Let, before we get in the bracket, let's talk what happened at conference tournament. Let's recap a little bit. Let's rewind the script and talk what happened, who's got the momentum, who should we be thinking about when it comes to brackets. Well, Nova dropped out early. Very tough game. Very toughly battled game. Georgetown ended up winning the Big East. But to lose the Big, e- the Big East early when you're the top dog, that's just not a good look. Uh, they went on to win the Big East and steal someone's tournament spot. Louisville, you, you could be pissed, right? Them in Oregon State just shatter your dreams. Um, maybe even Kentucky, if you're a Kentucky fan. They have enough love, though. Um, Oklahoma State win versus a very tough West Virginia team at the start of the Big 12 tournament. Awesome game to watch. Cunningham and Avery Anderson with 17 points apiece. This team looks like a tournament-ready team. This is the closest similarity to Kemba Walker and the UConn Huskies that I've seen. In my actual money bracket, I wanted to pick Oklahoma State. Didn't end up doing it. Have Texas as the winner. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, but Cade with 28-8-5 when they beat an amazing Baylor Bears team. This is when I knew. They beat West Virginia. I said, okay. These guys are the real deal. Let's see what they can do against Baylor. They beat Baylor. They've won me over. What did they do? They beat Baylor. Um, 28-8-5. That's a first-round number one overall pick if I've ever seen one. Uh, They lost to Texas in the championship, even though Cunningham put up 29 points. Uh, You know, he did come off a sprained ankle right before the tournament, looking like a little bit of tired legs. Uh, Texas got the benefit of not having to play Kansas because of the COVID pullout, so they got a buy into the championship. That deep rotation was just a little bit too much for them. Um, Kate Cunningham doing really good as a tall point guard. That's going to be a big difference in matchups in the tournament to consider is he's got the size. And, and people who are saying as he goes to the NBA, he won't be a point guard. He'll probably turn into more of a forward. Um, but huge uh, mismatch for, for teams that have small point guards. Got to find someone to D him up, right? We already know how the Big 12 can play, but the Big 12 stacked. What about the Big 10? What about the ACC, who other people think are stacked conferences? They don't got point guards like Cade Cunningham. Uh, Duke, Virginia, and Kansas had a pull out of the conference tournament that cost Duke their season. You know what? I'm from Montana. Poor Duke. Oh, it sucks. I don't really care. Uh, but really tough for, for Virginia and Kansas in, in this tournament as they have to turn around. Supposedly, Virginia's not even flying in until Friday and they play Saturday morning. We'll see how that goes. Again, I had to adjust my brackets accordingly. North Carolina took down Virginia Tech and lost to Florida State in the ACC Championship. This team is deep. They got bigs that'll grind it out. They have a good rotation. They're clicking at the right time. Definitely a bracket buster team to watch out for. Um, Creighton beat UConn in the semis of the Big East. And Colorado beat USC in the semis. Colorado playing pretty good ball right now. Um, USC, you know, probably the, the better team in the Pac-12 regular season. And then Creighton beating UConn, James Booknight, probably one of the top 10 players that we're going to be watching out for in the tournament. Um, <laughs> funny thing about Colorado, losing to Oregon State and my guy, Wayne Tinkle. Oregon State Beavers projected to be last place, last place in the Pac-12. Nobody giving him credit. Wayne Tinkle deserves to get paid I hope his contract's almost up and he could keep moving up the ladder. What a pure family. I saw a meme on Twitter that said, if if I'm a team in the NBA and somehow uh, uh, Trace Tinkle, his son, gets to play, I want to have him and his family because the way his sisters, he's got two sisters that played college ball, one at Stanford, one at Gonzaga, uh, his dad and his mom, obviously his dad coaching, both NBA players at one point. It's like, I want them on my team. They hype me, hype up the teams more than anything I've ever seen as they were all courtside for that Oregon State victory. 
And Wayne, man, you know, I can say this about Wayne Tinkle. As a college journalism student, you know, covering Montana, having to do it for the paper, the radio, uh, for the video, I worked for a thing called Grizz Vision. He gets a lot of interviews, right? He gets it by the mainstream press and then the us college kids. And I'm sure as busy as he is doing an interview with the college student who he doesn't even know if he could write a story correctly, can be a battle. Uh, but he always gave me very due respect, was asked about my life, you know, wanted to make sure I was on the right path through college and making sure I had good vision. And just an awesome pure guy, great energy, uh, really just there to support and make people better around him. And he's done that at Oregon State. You know, last year I thought was their year with Trace, but they were able to do it with uh, with Thompson and the team. Really hope they can do it past Tennessee. Not putting my money on it, but awesome victory for him. I hope he gets more opportunities in the NCAA because this man can coach. He did it for Montana over and over again. One more time, shout out for Wayne Tinkle and the Oregon State Beavers. Illinois battled Iowa for the semifinal. Coburn, baby, 26 points, 8 rebounds. Garza with 21 and 12. Two big-time players, big-time battle. Illinois has still been able to pull it off. Probably one of the better tournament favorites going in as they are rolling on all cylinders right now. Ohio State beating Michigan. I put my money on Michigan. Came down to the last second. Um, Ohio State was able to do it. Dwayne Washington was just that guy. 24-6-4. and four. Um, You know, my biggest knock on Michigan is when game's on the line, who do they give it to? Nobody's really stepped up. Uh, LSU taking down Arkansas. Little shocker there. And lost a tough battle to Alabama in the SEC Championship. Damn near had them beat. Uh, this LSU team's rolling. Ends up, I ended up picking them over St. Bonaventure in the tournament, just be, uh, in the big dance, just because of this. Uh, but they really did come out of nowhere. I tracked him during the year because Shaq's son played there. He was playing on the bench, didn't get a lot of minutes. I think he's hurt or sick or something. He's not playing right now. Um, so I, I just kind of stopped watching him. But damn, they, they're playing good ball. So definitely another momentum team. If you believe in momentum, come tournament time, they have it. Uh, Georgia Tech upsetting Florida State in the ACC Championship. Uh, this is one of my, you know, almost every bracket I have them winning first round against Loyola uh, Chicago. Lots of people loving Loyola Chicago and Gene, the 101-year-old lady. 101-year-old ladies going to the game. Um, fan favorite team, but Georgia Tech looking good, looking scrappy. Uh, Illinois then taking down Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. Again, rolling on all cylinders. Got to be one of the... It, you know, if I'm looking at 90% of the brackets, I'm sure almost majority of them have Illinois in the championship final four. All right. Before we get into the actual bracket, I am going to quickly go over this article. This is Bleacher Report ranking the 25 best players in the 2021 men's NCAA tournament. These are the guys that you want to watch. If you're an NBA fan, who's going to translate? Uh, but these are the teams that have that go-to score, which in the tournament makes a big difference. Because if, if they have an off night, these are the guys they're going to go to. Number 25, Bones Highland, VCU. VCU plays Oregon first round. You know, Oregon's the favorite. I picked Oregon, but very easily could be a VCU team. And I'm sure Bones Highland will be the guy that makes the difference. Uh, he's averaging 19.5 points and 37.1% from three, which is really good in college. Moses Wright from Virginia Tech or from Georgia Tech. Again, I put up Georgia Tech as the victor. Uh, 17.4 points, eight rebounds a game. Um, ACC Player of the Year. Definitely probably going to be making a difference against Loyola Chicago, who hasn't played a lot of big name teams. 
Herbert Jones, Alabama, uh, player of the year, SEC, 6.5 assists a game. Dude's doing some good 11.2 points per game. And Javon Quinterly, Villanova transfer, really taking over on the bench. Those are guys to watch out for on Alabama. Sam Hauser, the Marquette transfer. Love Sam Hauser. Uh, playing for Virginia. Is he going to play, though? I don't know. Nothing's been announced. They haven't announced any players. At least Kansas uh, gave us McCormick and the other player's name. So, you know, to be determined. Uh, Cameron Thomas, LSU. This was the guy that really made the difference in the SEC tournament. 22.6 points per game on 17 shots per game. Um, this guy has instant offense. So I'm assuming LSU is going to win. Cameron Thomas is going to be involved. We got EJ Liddell, Ohio State. Every time I watch Ohio State, I'm looking for Dwayne Washington, and I'm always just more impressed with EJ Liddell. Um, Washington did more recently, but this Liddell kid can ball. Uh, he's averaging 15.9 points per game. We got Cameron Krutwig from Loyola Chicago, player of the year in his conference, 15.6.7, so almost 15 and 70 averages per game. Uh, that ranks him ninth nationally in, pl in the box plus or minus. So we got Cameron Krutwig of Loyola Chicago, uh, versus Moses Wright, Georgia Tech. That's going to be a fun battle. We have Miles McBride, West Virginia. West Virginia's got a few hoopers, and Miles McBride's being one of them. Sophomore guard. He will be a difference maker. Houston having lots of issues early season, transfers, uh, dropouts. But they got Quentin Grimes, the Kansas tr uh, transfer, averaging 18 points a game. And they're a two seed, so I'm sure we'll hear, hear of Quentin Grimes if you're tuning in. Uh, Joel Ayayi from Gonzaga. They have multiple playmakers. He's just one of them. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earls ranked 15 on here. He's been slumping, but that's why I have Nova in the Sweet 16. I don't believe in Purdue, and I'm pretty sure they're going to beat Winthrop, even though everyone wants to pick Winthrop. And he's a huge reason why. I think him and Samuels are the reason why. Uh, Chris Duarte, Oregon. Oregon was supposed to be pretty big this year. They haven't been, but he's one of the guys for that team. Franz Wagner, big-time NBA draft prospect for Michigan. Uh, if you know of his brother, uh, Wagner, uh, for the Washington Wizards, uh, he's a bigger guy. Uh, his brother's a little bit more agile, a little bit more athletic. Got to be a playmaker for Michigan. As I said, no one's really stepped up when they needed it. He's one of those guys, him and Dickinson, that could step up. Uh, James Booknight, ranked number 12. We talked about him uh, and, and Connecticut. Their first-round matchup. Go to my bracket here. Their first-round matchup is Maryland. Tough ACC team. I picked UConn over. James Booknight's a big reason why. Uh, Hunter Dickinson ranked 11. Just talked about him with Michigan. He's a playmaker. Uh, Kofi Coburn, the Jamaican badass, man. This guy is a stud. Um, he's rolling at the right time. He'll be making a difference. We got Davian Mitchell, Baylor. Everyone should know him. He's been balling. Drew Timmy, Gonzaga. Everyone should know him. He's been balling. Evan Mobley, one of the top draft picks, big center for USC. He will be the difference maker if USC is going to do anything in this tournament. I just don't think highly at all of the Pac-12, and I think they're all going to get swept in this tournament. But USC first round, where's the Trojans on this bad boy? Should be left side. USC plays the winner of the play-in game of Wichita, Straight and, uh, Wichita State and Drake. I have them winning that game and losing to Kansas, but... Hey, Evan Mobley could, especially if Kansas doesn't have McCormick, uh, leapfrog them over, over that, and that would be a fun big guy matchup of Garza and Mobley. 
Jalen Suggs, what a stud this guy is. And then Corey Kispert ranked six and five, respectively. That's half of Gonzaga's starting lineup, ladies and gentlemen. There's a reason why they're undefeated. Uh, Ayu Desanmu, the masked, I call him the Phantom Opera because his mask looks like the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, but this kid's a, a legitimate draft prospect, ranked number four. Uh, him and Coburn will be a reason why Illinois wins it. They ranked Cade Cunningham three. I think it's quality of players today. Uh, he's obviously the number one player. Uh, but as of now, they have Jared Butler two, Luke Garza one because they're the better today players. Um, I wanted to put Butler. I ended up picking Illinois over Butler because of Coburn and the big matchup. Uh, the uh, Butler ha- has three really good, talented guards. We already talked about uh, Davian Mitchell, Jared Butler. They also have Macy Oteague. But they don't really have that big presence. They're more battle-tested. The Big Ten's very tough as well. I think Kofi and the guard play is just a little bit too much for them to overcome, so I had picked Illinois over them. Uh, But Jared Butler will be the reason they beat Illinois. And then Luke Garza. Luca Garza. We all know him. I hope he goes to the Jazz. I've seen it in a mock draft. That would make me my heart happy. Uh, Probably won't happen, though. Uh, (laughs) But let's talk brackets. Let's get into it. March, baby. I can feel it. We got brackets. We got brackets. All right. So, Gonzaga versus the play in Norfolk and Appalachian State. Good to see App State in there. Easily going Gonzaga. Oklahoma, Missouri. I think that's going to be a good battle. It's an 8-9. to nine. It should be expected to be a good battle. Missouri was really high in the AP Top 25. Um, I always thought they were overrated. Oklahoma had gotten pretty high in the AP Top 25. I thought they were overrated. They both fell out, I believe, by the end of the season. But um, Oklahoma just has more playmakers, so I'm going with Oklahoma. And then I got Gonzaga beating Oklahoma. Creighton versus UC Santa Barbara. You know, Creighton definitely overrated as well. I don't think that highly of them. The Big East was pretty shit this year. But are you really going to take UC Santa Barbara, right? They got Zigorowski. They got playmakers. I'd assume... You know, they're trying to make the league themselves or make a living as a pro. And this is where you do it. Uh, so I'm going to pick Creighton. 5-12, notorious upset pick, though. If you're a betting man, you really can't go wrong. But I'm going Creighton in that one. And then Virginia, Ohio, because of COVID. Ohio's definitely a, a team I've seen on a lot of analyst bracket upset pick. But I'm not going with them because Virginia, the defending champions, even though it was two years ago, uh, but always put up a good squad. I think they'll have enough coaching to get them over Ohio. I had Virginia over, uh, I had put Creighton over Virginia, but I think they'll have enough time to turn around for the second round to get a decent team enough, uh, enough of a decent team together to beat Creighton. Um, I've went back and forth on that. It may change before game time, but I'll probably stick with Virginia. Got Virginia over Creighton and then Gonzaga over Virginia to put the Zags in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, excuse me. Um, USC over the Wichita State Drake. I picked Wichita State to win that. Have USC over them. We have Kansas and Eastern Washington uh, representing the Big Sky Conference. Um, even though there's COVID issues, Kansas has enough playmakers. They've been clicking at the right times to beat Eastern Washington. And then I have them squeaking by USC. I think Mobley has a big game there. Uh, Oregon VCU, another 50-51 for me. I ended up going with Oregon. Iowa Grand Canyon, I went Iowa. I went Iowa over Oregon. Garza is going to destroy them. And then... Iowa over Kansas, which with the healthy Kansas, they had to pull out of the uh, Big 12. I actually was picking Kansas to win the Big 12 conference, and I thought that momentum with Bill Self, they got a lot of young guys, but clicking at the right time, I was going to have Kansas over Iowa, 
which is a bad matchup, in my opinion, for Gonzaga. Everyone that says, Shane, are you retarded? Gonzaga beat Kansas at the beginning of the year. Gonzaga is a senior-led team, right? They're an experienced team that at the beginning of the year, they're going to play good ball. Kansas hadn't got their shit figured out until probably a month ago, right? But they're clicking at the right time. I thought they could beat them as a healthy team. But with COVID, all the issues, I ended up going with uh, Iowa over Kansas, which then has me pick Gonzaga over Iowa. They're just too fast for Iowa. Iowa's defense is garbage. And Gonzaga beat Iowa pretty handily at the beginning of the year. Uh, So I'm going to go with Gonzaga over Iowa as my final four pick out of the West. Not a lot of major upsets for me on my bracket here. Let's move to the East. I got Michigan over the play-in game. I got LSU over St. Bonaventure. Um, I kind of wanted to pick the Bonnies in that one, uh, but went with LSU because of momentum. I picked Gonzaga or Colorado over Georgetown. Georgetown has momentum, and I love Ewing as the coach. I really wanted to pick Georgetown here, uh, but Georgetown's just not really that good. The Big East isn't really that good. Neither is the Pac-12. But I like my guy uh, Marcus Wright, the fourth. I really like him. He deserves a shot. I think he uh, represents for the Pac-12. I think they they get that dub. And then I got Florida State over UNC Greensboro. Florida State's a really good, deep, scrappy team as well. Them and North Carolina have a lot of similarities, in my opinion. Um, I took Michigan over LSU, even though I think it's really close. And then I have Florida State over Colorado, Florida State over Michigan to put them into the Elite Eight. I think Florida State's just too scrappy, and I think uh, Michigan just doesn't have the grittiness and the physicality uh, to match them in that matchup. Um, and again, I just don't think they have a playmaker when they need it to be. When they really need a shot, I haven't seen someone step up. Love Juwan Howard in that squad as well. I have Michigan pretty far when they have a decent squad most of the time. I don't know. They, it's just they usually put in a good squad. Um, I put BYU losing. That was, uh, that's a good upset. I picked Michigan State over UCLA, and then I have Tom Izzo and the Sparties, who've won some major games, some really good quality opponents over BYU. Uh, BYU is definitely overrated, in my opinion. Uh, took UConn over Maryland, even though that's a, a real big toss-up. So if you have Maryland in your brackets, hey, it's a 50-50. I put Bama over Iona, which then I have Bama over UConn. I was tempted to put Book Nine over here. I've talked about how overrated Alabama is, but Javon Quinterly is making a difference for that team, and they just have a deeper rotation. Big East hasn't had very good competition all year, so I put them over UConn. Uh, have Texas over Michigan State, which that's going to be a fucking battle. Uh, but hey, Texas has been battling all year. Texas just has a lot of things going right now. They have the, the mix of youth and veteran experience. Mark Coleman dropping 30 points in the Big 12 championship. Uh, they got their center play. I mean... If you look at centers that have come out of the NBA or gone to the NBA and done really well from Texas, like, holy shit, really good. Miles Turner, one of the last ones that is dominating in the NBA as a defender. They got Chris Sims, who's looking really good. They got Kai Jones, who I think is going to be a beast in the league. Um, I mean, they, they, they just got a solid squad. So I think they squeezed by Michigan State, and then they beat Alabama pretty handily, which puts an awesome Elite Eight matchup, two very deep, tough, scrappy teams. Florida State versus Texas. This one was hard for me to pick, but I went with Texas, which I think either of these teams is a bad matchup for Gonzaga. Uh, Usually I have Gonzaga losing earlier, but they're just too quick and too fast for the teams in the West. Being the number one overall seed, you typically get the easier bracket. Um, So I have Texas going into the championship out of the East. Moving into the South region, I got Baylor over Hartford, North Carolina over Wisconsin, a lot of people want to pick Wisconsin. They're just not that good. 
Uh, they had a lot of losses. Their their team depends heavily on Trice's shooting, and I don't like that. So I go with North Carolina. Their bigs are going to eat uh, Wisconsin up. Uh, North Carolina is going to be a very tough matchup for Baylor, hands down, but I'm going to go with Baylor. They have too much offensive talent with those guards. And then I have Villanova over Winthrop. Supposedly Winthrop's like the fastest team in the league and everyone thinks they can uh, match it. But we got Jay Wright, baby. Hall of Fame coach, about to be a basketball Hall of Fame. And he just puts too much uh, fingerprints on their success. And I think Jermaine Samuels and uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl can do enough to get over Winthrop. And then I have Purdue over North Texas. I almost took North Texas in this game. I don't think that highly of Purdue. Wouldn't usually pick Villanova to win the next round, but because they had Purdue, I think that's just a good matchup. So I got Villanova, Baylor in the Sweet 16, and Baylor easily, sadly, as a Nova fan, beating my Nova Nation. And then we got Texas Tech versus Utah State. Very 50-50. Texas Tech's on a slump. McClung hasn't looked good, but they are battle-tested. They are in the Big 12. That has enough for me, as Utah State doesn't play that quality of competition. Arkansas over Colgate. Uh, Moses Moody looking good. I think Moses Moody and McClung's going to be an awesome matchup. But again, due to the strength of just who they've battled and, and the, the type of quality wins that they've had, I put Texas Tech over Arkansas. And then Florida, Virginia Tech. I picked Virginia Tech as the underdog. Um, Florida is just, they got man, but they've been looking like shit lately. And I think Virginia Tech's scrappy at the right time. And then I have Ohio State over Oral Roberts. Ohio State easily over Virginia Tech. Ohio State easily over Texas Tech. Then they come into the wall of the Baylor Bears. I have Baylor over Ohio State. They're going to have a pretty easy rail up there. So depending on how challenging uh, Villanova and North Carolina could be to Baylor, it might tire them out, which can give Ohio State the upper hand if Dwayne Washington pops off. But I'm going with Baylor. Let's move to the Midwest. Final piece of this bracket. I have Illinois over Drexel. Georgia Tech over Loyola Chicago. I would say majority of the crowd has Loyola Chicago. So if you want an extra win, listen to Business of Buckets, Shane Gillette, pick Georgia Tech. Uh, Tennessee over Oregon State. My heart really wanted to give the Beavers and Oregon State some love. Uh, but Tennessee, they've been an up-and-down team, but they have a high ceiling if they're rolling on all cylinders. Uh, too many playmakers for Oregon State to handle. So I got Tennessee over the Beavs. Uh, Georgia Tech losing to Illinois. And Oklahoma State over Liberty. San Diego State over Syracuse. A lot of people have Syracuse as an upset special. I think San Diego State's the real deal. Holyfield, I got him over Syracuse. Uh, West Virginia over Moorhead State. That gives a very good matchup of West Virginia versus San Diego State. But I think the mix of uh, Culver uh, and McBride are going to be too much. I have West Virginia winning that game. Uh, Clemson over Rutgers. To be honest, you know, Clemson's a defensive team. Rutgers, I just, it's Rutgers. But this is really a 50-50 matchup. I, I just picked Clemson. It felt right. Uh, going with Houston over Cleveland State. Wanted to um, pick Houston as, you know, an upset because I think they're massively overrated and they haven't played competition. I think Clemson's defense gets to them in this one and just frustrates them. So I got Clemson over Houston. Uh, Clemson losing to West Virginia, which puts us at Illinois, Oklahoma State, in one of my brackets, just because I think Cade Cunningham and them have too much momentum. But again, Ohio's Oklahoma State, how are you going to stop Coburn? And they also have guard play. So I actually put Illinois over Oklahoma State, which then puts Illinois versus West Virginia back-to-back Big 12 opponents. I have them squeaking by in that one as well. But because they just got back to... They went from 
Oklahoma State to West Virginia. Now they got Baylor in the final four. I wanted to pick Baylor, but I think, again, Coburn, the bad matchup. Um, I don't know how Baylor's going to defend them, and if their guards don't shoot really good game, um, I see them dropping that one, which gives them Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Baylor, now Texas, four of the cream of the crop of the Big 12. That's got to be brutal. I'm taking Texas in that one because why not? It feels right. It's March. There's going to be craziness. If you think Gonzaga is just going to waltz through it and win, you're you're, you're in for for some money lost if you're putting money on the line. Let's just say it that way. Uh, But this is a sweet bracket. My shit might be completely off. Everyone's might be completely off. That's why they play the game. And that's why it's called March Madness. Before I talk a little baseball, because it's spring training, baby, uh, I am going to talk about Last Chance U. I didn't like the last two seasons. The coaches were just, I mean, it just looks bad. I don't even want a kid to watch it. The coaches just fucking crazy lunatic, and it's just too sloppy. The first team, I really enjoyed it. And then they went to basketball. I figured it'd be okay. But, dude, what an awesome story. I was sucked in right from the get-go. The coaching, the players. Um, they had the big-time player that played for Oak Hill. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, just finished the season and saw where they went after that. Uh, the point guard or the shooting guard that was uh, the t- team captain ended up going to Sac State, which is cool because I'm you know from Montana, so I understand the big sky. It seemed like he got out of the rotation or either got hurt towards the end of the season. They didn't have a very good year. And then the big time uh, playmaker went to Long Beach State. He didn't get to get a big college because he's just got too many off the court issues and loses his temper and fouls out and he's trying to get his life back together. But what an awesome story. Hopefully it works out for him. I see him did put up some pretty good games for Long Beach. So hopefully, he, you know, he could keep that going as this was his junior year. Sad thing on the show. Hate to be, uh, you know, ruin the show, but uh, right at the end of it, they're going to the JUCO championship, and then COVID happened, so they didn't even get to play it, so that was kind of a bummer. And then their best player, KJ Allen, uh, committed to USC, didn't get to play this year. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he has and follow those guys. I always follow the last chance you guys. Um, but awesome show, highly recommend. Um, you know, bravo Netflix, bravo. Spring training in full blast. I am getting hyped for the season, watching the statistics, watching some of the players just go ham. One of them being Shohei Otani. He's throwing like 100 miles. Well, technically it was 98 miles an hour after his surgery. Uh, You know, he's rehabbed. He's come back. He's throwing gas again. He could throw up to 102, I believe. And he's hitting 460-foot home runs. He had two home runs today over the the black eye, which is really deep center field. Uh, He's had multiple, I think, six home, five or six home runs in spring training. You know, I put 25 bucks on him for MVP. At 25 bucks could turn into 16 hundo. He's looking good. Why not? Excited to see Shohei. That Angels offense looking like it's clicking. Hopefully the pitching uh, could put some t- uh, some weight on its back and carry them into the playoffs so we could see Mike Trout in October. I will be doing a season prediction here in the next couple weeks before the season. It's March 16th. The first game's in April, so I'd assume it will be in the next couple weeks. Um, you know, Depending on how busy I am, it'll either be the week or next because it takes a while to... Go through all the rosters, see who the new moves are, and do projections on standings. I won't do record predictions. In the NFL, I go game by game, but there's only 16 next year, about to be 17 weeks. Where in baseball, there's 100 and... I don't know if they announced a full season or a little bit limited of a season, but there's going to be at least 160-something games. I'm not going to go game by game, but I will do projections of how I think the standings finish out. 
And now Supercross is back racing in Arlington. Race one in Arlington. Um, again, they had split the 250 class up, so I don't know a lot about these 250 riders besides Mr. Hunter Lawrence, Jet Lawrence's brother. I'm Team Honda all the way these days. Um, in this race, Seth Haymaker Hammaker took first. Hunter Lawrence with the second place finish, his best ever podium finish. Uh, Cameron McAdoo, who's been leading the points for a third place, and Justin Cooper, who I'm familiar with with the fourth place finish. That puts the 250 standings at McAdoo first with 70. Justin Cooper second and 64. Hunter Lawrence third with 58. I believe after Arlington, they get mixed back in with the other side, so then it's the full 250 class. Not too sure, as they said this was the first thing they've done, so trying to get, you know, I'll have to do some recon and figure that out. Uh, but in the 450, it was the Cooper Web Show. F and A, Cotton, F and A, worst case scenario for Team Honda and Roxon. Uh, he steals the show, steals the point leads. It was no doubt. He took the whole shot, and it was over from that point. He just didn't let anyone. He was up around three seconds the whole race, uh, which is quite a bit. Um, it's a points battle now, though, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, it's getting interesting. In racing, when someone takes a huge lead, obviously it's not as intriguing. So F and A, KTM and Cooper Webb, but hey, it's intriguing. I'm tuned in. Uh, they're racing tonight. I'm going to go watch the recording after this, after the Blazer game. Uh, but Cooper Webb first in the race, Justin Barsha with an impressive second. You know, he's really battling and trying to stay in the points this year. So props to him and that gas gas team. Uh, Justin Anderson with a third place finish. He's getting back on podiums. Uh, he's racing a lot more aggressive. Good to see him doing things as well. Uh, Chase Sexton in fourth coming back for Team Honda. Plessinger, the rookie with a fifth place finish. Roxon with a disappointing sixth place finish. Eli Tomac in the eighth place. Uh, you know, he's trying to battle with points as well. And then Malcolm Stewart with an, uh, you know, a pretty bad race. He's usually in the sixth or seventh place. He finished 14th and no Muscan because he got hurt on the last race. That now puts our standings at Cooper Webb in first with 223. Roxon seven behind at 216. Tomac 190. Barsha 176. There's enough races for shit to happen, but it starts tonight. Ken Roxon, can he get it back? I'm, I'm not too sure, but I'm tuning in, and I'll let you guys know about it. Um, race tonight, and then Saturday, we got three in Arlington, and then I believe it moves on three to the new location or two. Uh, we'll update you guys more on that next week. And that's it for the show. It's March. I can't wait. Thursday, the playing games. True TV and TNT. I'm tuning in. I'm tuning in. Uh, again, Field Supplements. Check them out. Promotion code BUCKETS, 20% off. They got your vitamins, your field greens, whatever you're feeling that you need to supplement yourself for, whether you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to bulk up, you're trying to just be healthy, you're trying to have a better immune system because it's fucking a global pandemic. Hey, field supplements, quality supplements, really doing good. Local shops, small town business, support the small people, people helping people. That's really what makes a difference. And Stan Daniels coming at you next week. Can't wait. Business episode three. That's it. I'm out.